Hello, everyone, and welcome to C-View Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pareco. Our opening song features Reach for the Stars from Cyclone's new album, Showtime, available on all music stores and platforms. A moment of your time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. We are honored every time we've received a moment of your time. We are servants of the new age, the time of prophecy, the time of the ascending sixth sun. We are a platform for alchemists and multidimensional souls. We connect with many planes of reality and assist the awakening journey. We are pure light, transmitters of high vibrational light out into reality. Our shows are held on Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. At any moment to participate on our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. Call for free at 805-830-8344 and wait in line or you can use Take My Call. And for $11, you can jump the long list of callers. Do so at www.paypal.me slash P-U-R-E-C-O slash 11. And then please PM or email Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com and include the phone number you'll be using to call the show. All of our podcasts are easily found in all social media and are available free, live, or on demand. To request a show, please write to Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com or visit our website, cview1111.net. Now, let's listen to our host and topic of the day. Thank you, Danny, and welcome everybody to CView. And today we present the first study group podcast of its kind called Messages from Metatron with author Nina Bingham. We will meet every third Friday at noon, Easter time, 10 a.m. Vancouver time here on CView. And it is our hope that you will join us each month and bring your friends. Before I introduce our guest for today, I'd like to share some statistics about angels. Belief in angels is an ancient idea stretching back before the time of Christ and includes all faiths. 70% of adult Americans believe in angels and 94% of adults who attend regular religious services believe. 55% of Americans said they believe their guardian angels have protected them in some point of their lives, and this number includes people who don't consider themselves religious. So, messages from Metatron, the book. It's a must-read book on self-transformation. It takes you in a journey of discovery that covers many topics of interest. But if you let yourself, it can also allow you the space 
to self-reflect on your own biases and beliefs. It's engaging and entertaining all at once. When author Nina approached CBU with the idea of her show, we loved the concept of a study group podcast, and we are eager to see how it develops with all the listeners, scholars, and followers that we will have today and in the following months. Maybe we are creating together a new trend, a new and innovative way of allowing space for togetherness, growth, and community. Please share your thoughts of your own experience after we're done with today's show and tag CBU Quantum Network or author Debbie Nina Bixon in all your social sites. And remember, if you want to have a reading or a personal comment with the author, you can reach her at ninabingham.blogspot.com. Now, let's introduce the author of Messages from Mephatron, Debbie Nina Binka. But our friend and her friends, we call her Nina. She's an author, a life coach, a clinical hypnotherapist, and a sound therapist. And welcome to the show, Nina. Thank you, Claudia. <clears throat> I appreciate it. That was a beautiful introduction. Um, before we jump into today's lesson, I'd like to share a little bit about how this book happened, because it's an unusual book. It is. It's not every day that you're going to read a channeled uh, book by an archangel, and, and this is by Archangel Metatron, so a little backstory is necessary uh, for those listeners who you know haven't read the book yet. Um, First, I want to kind of rewind to something you were talking about, and that is angels. And I believe everybody has a guardian angel. Um, I don't think it matters what religion you are. Even if you're not religious, I still think that you have a guardian angel because uh, they're assigned to us at birth. And actually, Jesus taught about guardian angels. Uh, so if you don't believe in angels, either you're wrong or Jesus was wrong. <laughs> so um, I believe angels are a very real force. Uh, in the universe. I was raised in a Christian household where I was taught that um, since I was a child that angels are real. And my mother actually saw angels on a couple of occasions, um, but they didn't become personal to me until after the suicide of my teen daughter in 2013. Um, a year after her death, I received a short message from her. Um, I hadn't heard from her for a year, and I was getting to the point where I just thought, well, I guess I'm not going to get a message from the other side from her. And the only message she gave me, she was a very quiet girl, so true to form, the only thing she said was this. She said, Mama, listen for the voice. And I didn't know what voice she was talking about, um, but I promised that I'd be listening for it. And then a year later, in 2015, I got a visit from Metatron. Um, but before I talk about that, I want to just say a few more things about actually archangels. Okay, the word angel translates from the Greek as messenger, messenger, and the word arch attached to the word angel simply means a chief angel or an angel chief. So Archangel Metatron is the highest of the angel chiefs. He's the highest archangel. He's like the boss. Um, and I just want to tell you from experience that real angels are not 
um, the cute, cuddly cherubs depicted in art. In fact, the first thing that angels say to humans in the Bible is, don't be afraid of me. (laughs) The first thing they always said. And the Bible says that people who saw them actually fainted. Okay, the men who they came to, it said, fell down on their face. So that sounds like fainting to me. Um, I've never seen an an angel. Um, I've seen paranormal phenomenon that accompanied the archangels. But I hear them, which is called clairaudience. And it's a psychic gift that I've had since I was a kid. Um, It took me three years to complete all 30 messages from Metatron. And then I added the study guide to the book, which is what we're going to using this podcast today. So Claudia, um, what are we studying today? Maybe you could tell us more about that. So today's lesson is Judge Me Not. And I would love if you explain us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. About Judge Not? Okay. Um, about judging? Is that what you're saying? That topic? No, yeah, about the topic of today, the lesson. Uh-huh. Well, I think everyone should be able to participate in this discussion, no matter what their religious or spiritual views are, even if uh, the caller is an atheist. I think we all have the right to an opinion, and I'm not afraid of opposing viewpoints at all. Um, All that I ask is that we remain respectful of everyone's opinion and try to keep it positive. Um, uh, But basically, I think that we all have biases, okay? And I think what, what Metatron is talking about is he's bringing up the fact that we all have biases and that we just need to be aware of what our biases are, um, you know, before we start judging other people. Um, I can tell you a story really quick about how I discovered my biases, Claudia. Um, I was in college earning my Bachelor's of Applied Psychology degree, um, in, and I was in a psych class. And our assignment was... Um, that we had to take an online test measuring what's called implicit bias, okay, or our unconscious biases. And this test was about race. And so since my daughter's father was African-American, I'm white, and since my daughter was biracial, I didn't think that I had any bias at all, right? Um, But the test, what happened is the test flashed faces on the screen faster than you could think about it. And you had to pick faces that you felt most comfortable with Um, faster than you could think about. And in this way, it was measuring your unconscious biases, okay, because you didn't really have time to think about it. And they made me do the test three times, and then they averaged the scores. And I was absolutely shocked to see that I had scored 55% more comfortable with whites than people of color. And maybe it was only 5% of a bias, but I still was shocked by that um, because – I didn't know I had any bias. And I think that consciously we can say that we're not biased, but our brains are hardwired to feel most uncomfortable or most comfortable rather with people who look and act like ourselves. Um, And so when I, uh, when I read this first message from Metatron, I thought about that for myself that I found out, in fact, I do have unconscious biases that I didn't think I had. How about you? What do you think about, judgment in our society today and that is a very difficult uh, question for me Nina because I I've been thinking about ever since I read the book and I read the questionnaires I've been like okay so 
what is judgment? When do I judge? When do I not mm -hmm. judge? Is it mm -hmm. different from opinion? Can I have an opinion without being judgy? Can someone say their opinion without, without me being judged? Mm -hmm. And I realized that most of the time I I would be in that box of being judgmental or being felt like I've been judged by someone, especially people that are close to you, whose mm -hmm. opinion you value. So then I get got upset because it's like, okay, so how do I change myself and then <laughs> Why do I want to change myself? It's not fair. Like, mm -hmm. when am I going to end this journey of feeling that there's something wrong with who I am that needs mm -hmm. to be changed in order to be that which I'm supposed to be? Right. That's a beautiful question. Um, I want to say uh, I agree with you. I think it's very difficult not to be judgmental of people who we don't agree with. And it's, it's human nature, um, Claudia, to defend our position. It's human nature to defend our religion. It's human nature to defend our community, our families, um, even our political views. Okay, and we've really seen that in the nation. So these things are close to our heart. So we have biases about them. And it makes it hard not to judge other people who have an opposite opinion. I think what Metatron is saying is not that we should not have biases, but that we have them, and that we have to be aware that we have them. I don't think he's condemning us for having them at all. He's just saying, as a human being, it's part of being a human being. And so we have to be more self-aware about the fact that a lot of times we're coming from a place of defending something. Um, uh, you know, I'd like to read out of the first messages from Metatron to see what he actually said about it for our listeners. He said, quote, the concept of morality, and morality is, is knowing right from wrong, right? The concept of morality and of you being able to distinguish good from evil is ludicrous. That's what he said. And he those are strong words from him because it's a big book and that whole book, I don't think he ever speaks so strongly about something. Um, so he's saying that the things that we think are terrible, often end up turning out for the best. And the things that we think are terrific later on turn out to be detrimental. Um, he says, unless we can see into the future, we really don't know what's going to wind up being good or bad. So have you ever heard the saying, thank God I never got everything that I prayed for? <laughs> so that's often what I've thought. You know, I prayed for something fervently, and then later on I was like, oh, man, I'm so glad that didn't happen, right? And even Jesus said not to judge. In Matthew, the book of Matthew, he says, I love the way he puts this very direct. He says, don't judge so that you won't be judged. And I think there he's talking about karma. He's talking about karma. He says, it's going to come back to you. Why do you see the sawdust? that is in your brother's eye, and you know, sawdust is such a tiny piece of wood, but don't see the beam in your own eye. So Jesus was saying not to be hypocritical. He's pointing out that those who criticize other people's faults, yet they have faults themselves. So that's what I think about it. Should we take some calls now and see what our audience has to say? 
Yeah, let's bring up, uh, we have uh, Karen here. So when you are ready to have a comment, you can press one and then a little uh, hand shows on the switchboard. So we have Philip, we have Mary, we have other people. Now Karen took out the hand. So when you are not wanting to have a comment, then you take the hand out. So press one when you want to talk about the uh, question that Nina just said. So Nina, can you ask again that question? Yeah, so the question is, um, how do we practice, I'm gonna rephrase it, how do we practice tolerance? And when we do respond from tolerance, how do other people respond when we show tolerance? And then how do other people respond when we don't show tolerance? So that's kind of the question. Okay, so let's bring Karen to the show. Hello. I, I know you just said a question, but is it okay? I'd, I'd love to comment on the whole topic of, of judgment. Yeah, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Yes, sure. Because <laughs> this is a, a really uh, important topic for me. And mm -hmm. I feel that when we, like you said, when we judge, it's not to condemn us, but to help us realize within ourselves how to heal because judgment uh, you know, might bring up feelings of uh, whatever emotion, you know, anger, or, you know, being unfair, just, you know, whatever it is, which, you know, gives us opportunity to work with those um, patterns of triggers and emotions to self-heal. So I think judgment can be a positive thing in that way, because mm -hmm. then you can self-reflect. And then I love, um, I first, heard many, many years, probably decades ago when Wayne Dyer would speak and he'd, he would be talking about being right and the need to be right. And what that really is, that's our ego. And so our journey is to evolve away from the ego and ego. And when we desire to be right, which I have to throw my hat in the ring, I, I like to do that. <laughs> I do like to be right. <laughs> but, you know, with awareness that, um, like you said, one person's uh, opinion of being right is another person's opinion of what is not right for them. And because we're always evolving, right, that's the goal, what you even or I even deem as right at one point in my life, you know, two years, one year, two days later might go, oh, my gosh, you know, I now see how with this new information that I've gathered or educated that, you know, I've evolved and, and I no longer even have you know, that perception and the fact that, you know, in Metatron, in the book, um, we're talking about, we don't know good from evil. I just think of my gifts, uh, you know, intuitive or psychic gifts and how in my life I've been judged by others for being evil, <laughs> you know, and so that's their judgment upon me, which uh, who knows, hopefully, um, you know, from later on or from my perspective, these are tools really to help evolve humanity. So what one person views as totally evil and damnation, <laughs> you know, is really one who could be elevated and, and evolved. So um, it's a real, uh, I don't want to say conundrum, but it kind of is. It's a wonderful puzzle. I think that ebbs and flows back and forth uh, with judgment. And 
that's really what I wanted to say on that. Did you want me to answer? You had a specific question. Actually, I'd like to tolerance? comment on your comment, if that's okay. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, I like what you said very much about it really appeals to me. What you said about evolution is sort of, I'm going to paraphrase, uh, is an ongoing process. And we're involved in this this big puzzle. Actually, Metatron, I think, calls it a, uh, as you say, he says, uh, basically experiment, okay, this human experiment. And evolution is not a stopping place. So even science is constantly learning new things. So as we discover new things, uh, then science itself is evolving. It doesn't mean science was wrong, okay, when it gave yesterday's opinion. It just means it's learned something different. And I think the same thing as you pointed out is, is true about ourselves, is that we're constantly evolving. And it's a good thing that we're evolving. So we kind of have to remember that when we're dealing with each other that and have some grace that this person is still evolving, right? And maybe in a year from now or, you know, just a little while from now, their opinion might be completely changed. It might be a little different from what they're holding today. So I think um, extending that grace becomes really important when we realize we're all in evolution. Mm-hmm. Nina, you were asking some of the questions, and so we are going back into the first question, which is how difficult it is to refrain from judging other people and circumstances, and mm-hmm. what makes it challenging. And we're talking about our own uh, opinions, our own beliefs, things that have happened, the way that we perceive things. But why don't we bring Philip and see what he thinks? Hi. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great question and uh, trying to refrain from judgment. I, like you even said, I think is nearly impossible to do. Mm-hmm. It's something, even if I'm just at Aldi, just my, my example, my personal example of it was being at Aldi yesterday and someone opens the freezer and then she sneezes after she opens the freezer. And like all of the, like, horrible thoughts that went through my mind about this person really shouldn't have, but they did, whether I like it or not. <laughs> like, there's nothing I could do about it. Um, I don't know her situation, so I don't understand it. So, um, and of course, I know that I've been judged in the past and judged plenty. I, uh, it's, it's a journey for me. I just know that it's a journey for me. I don't really have an answer to it. I just, know that I'm always trying to work on it and be better. Mm. Well, it sounds to me um, like you are self-aware in this area. And I think really that's all that Metatron is trying to get us to think about is, are we aware of our own biases? And when we are, can we pull back from them? It's, um, and, and even um, another bias of mine, just growing up, my um, – Religious history is sparse growing up. I didn't have any. Um, my mom is Jewish. My dad's Christian. And they basically didn't even teach me anything religious. They just said, if I asked, like, just believe what you want. Just find out yourself, which is, to me, a good thing. But, you know, of course, I've dabbled in, like, at least five different religions and, you know, consider my, myself like a 
a Jewish Christian Buddhist almost, <laughs> which is which can <laughs> make things difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, Philip. Anyway, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what. I... No, it's fine. So it can make it difficult. You know, Nina, I love that you brought up that part of the book where Metatron points out that it is okay, that it's just to observe and to make us aware of something. Because when you said that, I immediately relaxed on many, because I, re, I was reminded of that fact that just the awareness changes many times the things that we feel or that we know or that we perceive. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Claudia, he's coming, you got to think about um, if you stood in his shoes as an angel, because he's coming from the perspective of an angel who they can, they're highly intelligent beings and they can see into the future. He says this over and over again in the book. He says, we can see you growing. Okay. We watch you growing. We watch you grow from the time you're born until the time you die. And, and we can see beyond that. So for them, time isn't anything. Space isn't anything. They're in a different dimension most of the time until they step into ours. So he's looking at judgment from an eternal perspective, isn't he? And so he's saying, unless you have my vision, which is eternal, I, you can see into the future, then, you know, you better be careful about judging people because it doesn't always turn out the way you think, and you won't always be as right as you think. So he's really coming from a, a more of an eternal perspective than we can. And not only people, Nina, also situations. Like, like I just was reminded of the situation of the COVID started two years ago to now is very different. Just two mm-hmm. years needed a whole different perspective for all of us. Mm-hmm. And we can know in 10,000 years or less, I don't know, whenever, why or how or where. So, yes, having a judgment of even a situation is very difficult because we don't have that information. We don't have the ability to go way up to the future and know and have the mm-hmm. results of That's right. I mean, talking about the um, pandemic, I mean, um, to us, it seems like it's taken over everybody's life. You know, it's just such a huge life-changing event for humanity but a thousand years from now, guess what? They're not even going to read about it if they have history books, okay? It probably won't be in the history books a thousand years from now or two or three thousand years from now. Um, so uh, we just have to keep in mind, we don't necessarily have to change the way we're built or we don't have to say, well, my brain can't think that way anymore. We just have to keep it in mind that this is the way we're built to defend the things that are near and dear to our heart and and have a little grace for each other. So Nina, then in the in lesson plan, it comes to two concepts that are very important and we have started talking or putting out the question about that, which are tolerance and silence and how these two tools can help us with uh, when, with judgment, with, the, with, with this lesson that we're trying to find out how to work out. So the question is, when you practice tolerance and silence, what do you notice about yourself? And let's think, Mary, 
from North Carolina and see what she thinks about that. Mary? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Could you repeat that, Claudia? Yes. When you practice tolerance and silence, what do you notice about yourself? When I practice tolerance and silence? Yes, in terms of judging other people. Well, I really try to understand or tune in to what's happening with the other person, where they're coming from with their judgment. I have I, I have had issues uh, with making an observation, and I would like to get some clarity on this. Um, I have... I see a difference in making an observation and making a judgment. And I have been around people before where I have made a comment that was a pure observation and someone has snapped at me and said that I was judging. And I did not feel that in my heart. I didn't feel it at all. I was just judging. I mean, I'm sorry. I was just observing something. I think a lot of people are quick to judge <laughs> that um, that maybe people, whatever a person says is a judgment. It just feels like some people I've been around were quick to judge me for making a, an observation because they felt like it was an, a, a judgment. And to me, that's a little bit confusing. So whenever I go within to about tolerance, I just, try to think about where they're coming from and where their understanding is on judgment. Mm -hmm. So if you could give me some clarity on this. Yeah, I'd like to respond to that. I, um, um, that's a good insight. You know, you said the, the person who tells you that they, they felt judged by you when you weren't, that wasn't your intention at all. Um, well, no, really, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, a, I was making an observation about, about mm -hmm. something going on with someone and someone with me. It wasn't mm -hmm. the person that I made the observation on. It's people that are with me judge mm -hmm. me. Okay. Well, you know, in that case, your your motivation was not to judge. You said you were just making an observation. You were just stating a, an observation or your opinion. You weren't judging anybody. But that person that you were with felt judged. Okay, so people can feel judged when you say something that doesn't mean that you're being judgmental. Do you, do you understand that difference? So yes. they may take it wrong. They may, they, it may be on them, in other words. Because someone feels judged doesn't mean that you meant it in a judgmental way. And so I think, right. you know, in those circumstances, you just have to explain that to the person and say, oh, wow, that wasn't my intent right? The impact of, of my comment may have been that you think I judge them or you feel judged, but, but my intent was not to judge at all. My intent was just to state um, an observation and it's okay to say it that way. Uh, you just have to clarify with people when they do that. So it is okay to clarify and not just 
be silent. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want people thinking I'm judging them if I'm not. So it's okay to clarify that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, okay, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you made another point uh, that was good, and you said you feel like sometimes people are quick to, um, well, I think people are quick to judgment, but they're also quick to feel judged, right? So it's it's like back and forth, and that's what happens in fights with couples. So I'm a life coach, and I, I've seen thousands of couples <laughs> 18 years that I've been practicing, and that's what happens with couples, right, is that, you feel judged by your spouse or your partner, and then you judge back, right? And, and it's like yes. protect, right? That's what starts happening uh, in friendships. And any, even when you're in a political discussion, that can happen. You know, you can, uh, somebody says something and you, ta- you, you get offended, right? You get offended, right. and then you're going to say something then that's defensive. So right. it's, it's just best to, um, I think, one one tool, like uh, Claudia was saying, we have some tools here. One tool to combat all of this, you know, ping-ponging back and, fo- back and forth on you judge me and, I, and, you know, you're judgmental and I feel judged, is silence is one tool that we have. Um, if you can't, my mom used to say, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. So sometimes silence is the best response, okay? Um, If that person is bound and determined to feel judged, um, you may not be able to change their opinion. You can certainly say, wow, that wasn't my intention. Um, Please don't feel that way. I didn't mean it that way. But um, sometimes we can't change other people's um, minds, okay, as much as we try. So in that case, when you know it's, it's hopeless and you're not going to be able to change the person's viewpoint, um, then I think silence is a really good tool, okay? It, it, it kind of stops that back and forth from going on. I see. Yeah, that and makes I total sense. Thank you. I, I, yeah. Can we have Jen that wants to comment on this one moment? I'm sorry, Claudia, is that me? Yes. Okay, I couldn't hear that. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment on you know, that, that the woman who said, you know, other people might judge something that's said out of an opinion. And we have to remember that we are in control of our words and we're not in control of how somebody else perceives them. And so their judgment, it's not saying it's easy, um, should we get to work to not let it affect our our ability and our right to speak our own truth as long as it's not harming others? And so I think sometimes it's so easy for us to feel defensive and then we go into silence, but I would challenge someone, but before that happens, although silence can be golden for sure, that, you know, what check inside of you does that feel right? If it doesn't feel right, it could be just a simple statement. Um, you know, you're not trying to convert anybody, but maybe that person needs to hear a seed of something from you that later registers later on, you know, like that's part of their journey. So um, I feel like we're always in this uh, constant state of, of oscillation. I love that word lately of 
um, checking in with ourselves and making sure that we're not backing away, right, um, from somebody before we speak our truth, um, but then have to check in, are we going to be defensive or is this healthy? You know, it's that it, we're coming back to that awareness, I think, um, as well. And that's all I wanted to say. And at least for me, that's, that's been a challenge for me, you know, and sometimes I overspeak. So for me, I need to back off and be silent more, you know, but other people, it might be the opposite. So thanks mm-hmm. for letting me share. Mm-hmm. That's thanks. a great point too, um, Claudia. She's, I, I hear her saying that, that you don't need to muzzle your own opinion, okay, for some, to make somebody else feel comfortable. Um, we're all, we all have our own individual opinions and, and we have the right to express them. I'm just saying once we've expressed our opinion, um, sometimes then it's best to right, zip the lip if we're getting into arguments at that point. Did, did Mentathron ever told you something in that matter, Nina? Like, like, how do you feel when you are in a situation where there's no tolerance? Mm-hmm. Um, exp- explain that. Elaborate on that a little bit, Claudia. Yeah. What like? Because when, whenever Metatron says her, his truth, he's very direct into, "Oh, come on, don't do this or don't or do that." <laughs> yes. Ever in your book, remember anywhere where he said, "Where when you deal when you are confronted with people that are intolerant or that have judgment against you." What do you do? Mm-hmm. Or when you find there are things that you just can't be but judgmental, what do you do? Mm-hmm. He doesn't answer that question. Actually, I don't think he does. Um, this, this book was completely focused um, on ourselves. He really doesn't focus at all on, on you know, helping okay. somebody else. He's really, in this book, completely focused on how do we transform ourselves? How do we transform our own opinions, the way we are in the world? So I don't know that he's ever in that book, I don't think he's ever um, elaborated on that. Great. So let's bring Philip and see what he thinks. Let's shed some light there. Philip? Sorry, I was in the middle of like taking some things out of the oven and putting it back in. So (laughs) while I was, I was listening, (laughs) but can you ask, like, restate what we were talking about just real quick so I know what I'm saying. Can you hear me? Yeah. um, I wonder, Claudia, can you give a, like out of your own life or do you have a circumstance in mind that you're talking about that can give us a good example of what, what you're saying? Uh-oh, I think Claudia might be gone. No, oh, no, no. Oh, oh, you're there. You're thinking. Okay. I'm here. I was, I was bringing another um, caller, but can you repeat okay. the question? Yeah, I just, to get an idea more specifically about what you're saying, um, I just wondered if you have an example in your mind uh, about what you're saying so we can understand it further. About how can we, well, I was thinking on, uh, you know, when he talks about that we don't have the answers right now because we cannot see the future, maybe also that he, he 
if he would listen to us, I'm thinking about that. If he could listen to the just this conversation, he would be cracking up, laughing, and saying, "Oh, here they come, these humans again, <laughs> talking Probably. about it." It's 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 like there's no answer. Probably that's what he would say. That there's no perfect mm-hmm. answer to this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's what I was wondering. That. He probably could, or an angel looking at us, he, they would just crack up and say, oh, my yeah. God, they, they're making a big deal out of nothing. And for you, it's like, come on, it's not nothing. They are not listening to me. Or someone is saying this, and I didn't mean to say this. And now they are putting my words mm-hmm. in else. Like, you see, that's what I was, I was hoping for. You know, angels definitely are not worried about offending people. They are so direct. They're not worried about offending people at all. And they're not worried if we should get offended, okay? So you're right. They're coming from a very different place, a very different perspective than we who are down on this earth, right, in the middle of the battle going through it and trying to figure out what the solution is. Um, I don't think he really says what the solution is. I just said, I just think what he's saying is – that we have this propensity to judge and that because we have biases and we tend to judge each other to keep an eye on it. Really, I think that was all all his point was. Hmm. What do you think? Oh, me. Well, I, um, I have something, well, I don't know if this really even, um, totally relates but I, I remember back when I was in my 20s so that was a, a while ago um, I was I remember actually seeing my guardian angel and it's one of the, the first time I actually saw um, I say it rather mm-hmm. than him or her <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because I don't know how to describe it and it and it is interesting like when you say that they're not worried about offending or even scaring you I mean, I know biblical angels, like, you know, gave people warning. Um, I don't know that they really do much anymore for those of us that can see them because he just kind of, it just kind of just appeared in my room. And, well, maybe it knew that I wouldn't be scared because it was terrifying looking. And I was just like, oh, that's pretty cool. (laughs) I didn't really, it didn't scare me at all. I just saw it and it was gone. So it was really like maybe less than a quarter second that I was allowed to see. And it, was, it was interesting though. I mean, so it kind of, it does show, I think that kind of at least shows you're right that the, they are not worried about it. And mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we shouldn't purposely try to scare or offend people, but mm-hmm. we shouldn't always be so worried about our words Mm-hmm. that we never say anything. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's interesting that you say that, that when you saw this angel, um, was it tall? I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, I'm six foot tall, and I think it was a little taller than me. And, you know, mm-hmm. so, and, oh, yeah. it, and all I could, I could sense, like, immense power. Yes. Okay. Well, so you're right. They're They're really not worried <laughs> if – you know, they offend us by something they say. If it's the truth, they're going to say it. 
And um, I think that we are very sensitive creatures, right? One thing that Metatron does say, Claudia, you're asking about what would Metatron say about us as humans. He does say this. He said that the difference, one of the differences between angels and humans is that angels are not as sensitive feeling-wise as humans, and that humans have this big palette of feelings, okay? We, we feel so many, so much in one day, right? We can feel depressed in one day, and then two hours later, we can be jubilant. So we have a huge range of emotions that we feel. Angels don't feel like we do. They only have, I don't know, like maybe three or four or six basic emotions. They feel sad. They feel happy. But they don't have all the gradient of emotions that we do. So they're not as sensitive as we are uh, emotionally, okay? So, you know, they're not worried. They're not as offended or worried as we are, Um so I think you're absolutely right about that. Secondly, I also think that you're correct about um, them being um, not cute, you know, chubby cherubs like we see in art. I think the real angel and archangels can be frightful. In fact, the Bible says they were. The Bible says people fainted when they saw them. These are big men. So um, angels are not, you know, they're, they're, they have immense power. They're beings with immense intelligence. So when we see them, it can be a frightful experience. Absolutely. Mm. That's why I've always said I'm so glad that I've never seen one. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't want to see one. I'm like fine with just hearing them. Hearing them is enough for me. And I wonder, does anyone else in the in in the in, in the show have seen angels? Have you ever seen an angel that is nice and chubby, or are they scary and big? What if the other people uh, have? Have you, Karen or Mary, seen a, seen an angel? I have never. Can you hear me? Uh huh. This is Karen. I've never seen an angel. Karen. Yeah. And you, Mary? Um, I have never seen an angel, but I truly feel the presence. And I have been around other people who have seen my big angel, what they angel. And I've been around many people who have seen that big angel with me. I have never seen it, but I have felt it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned earlier that my mom saw has seen angels on a couple of um, couple of occasions, and I'll tell you about those. Um, uh, the first occasion was she was uh, she went to Bible school. She was a Christian and went went to Bible school. And when she was in Bible school, they were praying in a room, and all the students had their head bowed praying. And she looked up. She finished her prayers and looked up, and she said when she opened her eyes, there were angels all around the room. And some of them had their hands on the person that was praying, and they were praying with them. Some of them were, you know, like um, almost like holding the person crying. So it was like they were involved in the emotions that the person was going and trying to comfort them. And it scared her so bad because I asked her what they looked like. She said they were super tall. They were thin. They did have faces, but they were more androgynous. They weren't necessarily male male or female. They were just beings. And it scared her so bad that she just closed her eyes again. And, And then when she peeked again, they were gone. 
And so that was the first time my mom saw angels. And then the second time, she was in a motorcycle accident. She was on the back of a motorcycle, and the car hit her, not the driver, and it put the bike down on the road, and it crushed her leg in, like, 18 different places. And so, obviously, she was in a lot of pain, and she was laying on the pavement waiting for the ambulance to come. And as she looked up, she was kind of in and out of consciousness. There was a being standing over her looking down. And she said she thinks it was an angel because it looked the same that she'd seen before. It had like a white, whitish robe on, and it was just staring down at her, kind of curious. And um, it said to her, don't worry. You're going to be all right. You're going to live through this. And then, boom, she, you know, she passed out. So she's seen angels a couple of times. And I think actually it's a pretty common, um, among people that believe in angels, it's a pretty common thing for people to see them. You know, not all the time, but occasionally. So you think, Nina, that in order to be able to see an angel, you have to believe in them? Or the concept of an angel has to be there? No, I, I don't think you have to believe in them. I think they're going to appear to whoever they're going to appear to or let you see them uh, to whomever they want, you know, to reveal themselves. Like if you read, um, I read tons of books about the near-death experience, uh, NDEs, and, you know, so many people who have had near-death experiences and had seen, had died, clinically dead and had gone to the other side and seen angels and seen um, beings that they called spirit guides. They didn't know what else to call them. Um, uh, those people weren't religious at all. A lot of them were atheists. They didn't even believe in such things, but it happened to them. So I, I think it can happen to anybody. And, 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 and it's, it also, when I read the, the chapter, the first chapter, I liked it when it said that angels usually appear when you have um, death, like a, an accident or things that you really need them. And it makes me wonder why. Why do they choose to appear on those moments only? And why they wouldn't, and, and probably they do, but they are not as freaking like if you're having your wedding and they're there with you celebrating or you can see them. So why is it that it's on those moments of your life that you can see them? Do, do you know? Mm-hmm. So you know? <laughs> That's a great question. I like to answer that. Um, and then maybe some other folks can, can jump in too. Um, you know, if you think about the two stories I told about my mother seeing those angels, um, in both cases, what were the angels doing? In the first case, they were comforting, weren't they? They were comforting the people around the room who were praying and who were crying. They were comforting. And in the second case, my mom, in an accident, they were reassuring and, again, comforting. So now at a wedding, right, you're there to drink wine and dance. So (laughs) I don't. I don't think they're as interested in drinking wine and dancing uh, as they are in comfort because that's their mission, right? That's one of the things that they're here to do. Anybody has a different point of view? You are all um, on, so anyone can comment whenever you want. Can Philip, have they appeared you whenever, if you have had a very bad moment in your life, were they confronting you or something like that? 
Um, kind of, yeah. Whether it was me or if I was asking for help for another person, that was most of the time I would see them. But if I mm-hmm. ask it for myself, basically I usually get like the message, just do it yourself, figure it out. But if I ask for help for other people, that's when they come or appear. Mm-hmm. Strangely, I don't know if that's just me or everyone gets some of that or what. Yeah. Um, can I get one more perspective here on this? Is um, uh, I've, I've, I'm sort of an angelologist because I've done a ton of research on angels um, because I wanted to understand them better. And um, and there's a there's a book called A Dictionary of Angels, including the fallen angels, and that I I love and I, re, I refer to a lot. Um, here's a quote from that book, and and it's talking about angels' occupations, basically what they've been what what they do, what they've been trained to do. Quote, angels perform a multiplicity of duties and tasks. Preeminently, they serve God. They do this by the ceaseless chanting of glorias as they circle around the high holy throne, so they're musicians. They also carry out missions from God to man, but many serve as guardians, counselors or comforters, guides, judges, interpreters, uh, matchmakers, and even grave diggers. So they've been known to do all these things. They are responsive to invocations or prayers when such invocations are properly uh, formulated. In occult lore, angels are conjured up not only to help uh, an invocant strengthen his faith, heal his afflictions, find lost articles, increase his worldly goods, and provide offspring, but also to circumvent and destroy the enemy. There are instances where an angel or a troop of angels uh, uh, are turned turn the tide of battle, okay, turned the tide of battle, abated storms, conveyed saints to heaven, or brought saints to heaven, brought down plagues, well, that'd be a good one right now, fed hermits, helped plowmen, and converted heathens. That's from a dictionary of angels. So they can do all those things. And can they be humans, Nina? I'm sorry? Can they come can they go into a human? Can they come to uh, to this earth? You know, that's a that's a question of great debate, right, in the um light worker community. And I'll just say that from what I've read about angels is um, I've never seen an angel be transformed into a human. However, there are cases in the Bible even of angels trans or excuse me, men transforming into humans or angels, men transforming into angels, mortals transforming to angels occurred in Genesis and second Kings. Enoch became Metatron. So that's who we're talking about. Enoch became Metatron. Jacob became Uriel. Elijah the prophet became Sandalfin, and St. Francis is said to become Ramiel. So, yeah, that can happen. Uh, I have a question. Can can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yes. You can. This um, mm-hmm. I, I have been told before um, in readings that in between lifetimes that I – 
have gone to the angelic realm and that I resonate there and I feel like a part of them, that I go there in between lifetimes and I have a strong connection with the angelic realm and that they are always with me when I do incarnate. Do you see any truth in that, that that's possible? Well, we know from near-death experiences that that's possible because people who have uh, clinically died and gone and report going to the other side, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them report um, talking to angels or, thing, or beings that they felt were angels. Some of them even saw wings on these beings. So um, we know from near-death experiences that that's true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So we are four minutes away from uh, ending today. Nina, do you want to talk about something or what is it that you want us to know before we finish today? Yeah, well, thanks, everybody, for, um, you know, taking time to jump in here and uh, talk about Metatron's book and um, discuss angels. Angels are a really popular topic. Um, so I hope that you'll come back. You know, I hope that um, next month you'll come back and uh, we'll talk some more about these subjects. Uh, before we go, I want to just thank everybody. And um, uh, I want to just share with you that there's a new angel book publishing this spring. So in a couple months. Um, that I've written. It's called 10 Archangels Teach You How to Live an Inspired Life. Um, it's messages from 10 different archangels, including Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Each archangel's history is explained and accompanied by archangel meditations, so you can call on the right archangel. So that's out this spring. Nice. Well, thank you, everybody, for being here. So on our second chapter, so thanks epic time we're going to meet on the third friday of the month of february and we're covering the second chapter with the second lesson and we can always go back and and bring some of the topics that we that are pertinent but do read the second chapter and be prepared for the show and we appreciate you being thanks everybody thanks for being here Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.